Our scripture reading today comes to us from Luke 13, verses 10 through 17. Listen for the word. Now he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And just then there appeared a woman with a spirit that had crippled her for 18 years. She was bent over and was quite unable to stand up straight. When Jesus saw her, he called her over and said, Woman, you are set free from your ailment. When he laid his hands on her, immediately she stood up and began praising God. But the leader of the synagogue, indignant because Jesus had cured on the Sabbath, kept saying to the crowd, There are six days on which work ought to be done. Come on those days and be cured, and not on the Sabbath day. But the Lord answered him and said, You hypocrites! Does not each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or his donkey from the manger and lead it away to give it water? And ought not this woman, a daughter of Abraham whom Satan bound for 18 long years, be set free from this bondage on a Sabbath day? When he said this, all his opponents were put to shame, and the entire crowd was rejoicing at all the wonderful things he was doing. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Damon Rose is a BBC journalist who is also blind, and as such, he says he is often approached by Christians asking for permission to heal him. Encounters that he says have often left him feeling judged as faulty or in need of repair. A few years ago, he ran a story which explores this topic. And he speaks with a number of faith leaders who hold various theologies of healing and disability within the Christian tradition. Damon first follows a preacher named Jonathan as he leads a group of worshipers onto the streets, streets of London in search of folks that might require healing. They set out attempting to help others feel the love of, and healing of Jesus in the way they believe to be the most powerful. The voices of a few can be heard in the background, deep in prayer, commanding illnesses to leave the bodies of those that they've encountered. When asked about his motivation for such work, Jonathan replies that Christians have the right and duty to offer healing to people as Jesus did. There is a part of their physical health that needs to be made whole. But then, then, in this recording, it's not the preacher, but the skeptical reporter that I think seems to make the most profound statement of the gospel. Damon says, I tend to think of it the other way around, that it's the world that needs to be fixed, making things available to me that are not usually available, like using Braille, or in the case of wheelchair users, putting up ramps, that makes the world accessible. And I think in those words, he offers us a more expansive understanding of the sort of wellness that God offers us. One aspect of the telling of this healing story that really struck me is that unlike in other healing stories, this woman does not ask to be made well. Jesus simply does it. And at first, I was disappointed by that, 
but then it struck me that at a time in which physical illness was believed to have been linked to spiritual illness, it doesn't seem wholly implausible for the woman to think that perhaps after 18 years of being hunched over, the idea that this man would want to help her and on the Sabbath would probably seem pretty unbelievable. And based on the reactions of the synagogue leaders after she is healed, that doesn't seem so far-fetched. I think about what the life of this woman must have been like. Hunched over for 18 years, probably overlooked constantly, unable to look people in the eye. She's probably on the margins of society, seen as less than human. And I doubt she wasn't used to being summoned, especially by someone in power someone who's important. She probably didn't speak to many people on a daily basis, probably perhaps hadn't even been touched in those 18 years. And I wonder if people may have become so used to her presence that she had just begun to fade into the woodwork. And in the midst of all of that, she kept coming back to the synagogue. She kept coming back to a place in order to feel just the smallest, teeniest bit closer to God. A place in community that she wouldn't be turned away, that she could be with other people. To ask such a question of Jesus on the Sabbath, in this place, in front of all these people, in front of these priests, was that a risk that she could really take? And luckily, she didn't have to, because Jesus steps in. Scholar Bruce Molina writes, In non-Western medicine, the main problem with sickness is the experience of the sick person being dislodged from his or her social moorings and social standing, social interactions with family members and friends and neighbors and village mates, they all come to a halt. In the ancient Mediterranean world, one's state of being was more important than one's ability to act or function. Thus, the healers of the world focused on restoring a person to a valued state of being rather than an ability to function. Jesus grants healing that involves being in community. And for that context, that requires physical healing too. But it's a means to an end. The healing Jesus is most concerned with is the healing that brings this woman back into the community and into right relationship with other people. With physical healing, Jesus makes community accessible once again. He engages with this woman as fully human, with dignity and agency, rather than the labels and the status that the community has given her. She's probably in the back of the synagogue, hunched over to the point that I would imagine it's hard to look anyone in the eye. And he brings her to the front. He brings her to the front so that all can see her, so that all can see her be healed, so that she cannot be ignored, so that she's impossible to overlook. And she is lifted in body and in spirit in that moment. So often, 
we give ourselves reasons to not engage with others who may need help, to not care. And so often Jesus offers us healing even when all we can see are the reasons why we or others shouldn't be healed. We become so focused on what we think will solve our problems or the problems of others that we fail to see the ways that God is at work in our lives. The Spirit moves and we cannot control or predict how healing will come. But instead, we're called to be open to the ways and the people that might help, help it come about. I wonder if part of the reason why she didn't ask to be healed was that she was so used to people saying, not now. I don't have time today. I can't help you. So often we think our own convenience is an acceptable reason for prolonging the suffering of other people. And change, making change, can seem overwhelming. Like it's too big of a task for us to take on. But big changes are often led by individual people. Just one person. And so I think the question that we need to ask, ask ourselves is, do we want to be set free? Do we want others to be set free? Being set free is to offer inclusion, to love those that we find difficult to love, to be generous with our gifts, to see beyond labels, to challenge structures that exclude, and to realize that God may have a solution that's better than our own. Being set free means to reconsider our priorities, our ideas of blessing, worth, and dignity, and to realize that there are no boundaries around what Jesus might do to make one well. We are to help point to the healing when others seem to be surrounded by obstacles, breaking down barriers that prevent community and create exclusion and isolation. We must ask ourselves how we are preventing others from being made well, from being set free, and how the Holy Spirit might be stirring up our lives to reveal possibilities for our own healing. At the end of the story Damon Rose tells, he tells of his experience with a man who approached him on the London underground. That man asked Damon if he knew Jesus and he said he wanted to pray for his healing. Damon said he would usually decline such offers. But this man told Damon that God had healed him from a drug addiction. And Damon sensed that the man really needed to do this. And so he said yes. He says the man went off with a spring in his step. And Damon says, I like to think that in some small way, I offered that man some healing too. May we all be so fortunate. To God be the glory. Amen. Friends, let us go to God in prayer. Holy God. Your blessings flow forth freely and forever. 
from the gracious mercy of your heart, we are grateful. We rejoice in the wonder of being the heirs of such an incredibly good fortune. We know that as we come once more in your name to your house to be your people, you will claim us as always and make us your own. Enter our hearts and make them your dwelling place. Take our lives and direct our steps as your people, called and chosen, loved and useful, we meet you to worship and to rejoice in you and to trust in you. And we ask that you hear us as we raise our voices on the behalf of the people of God. Hear us as we pray for the world, for the nations of the earth. Send peace amongst your people. Guide our leaders with wise counsel. Direct our ways that we may do your work. Forgive us where we've allowed jealousy and fear of being shortchanged, or when we've not had enough to keep us from living as your people. Show us the vision that you have for us, the vision that is wide enough to know that you love all of us equally. Help us to live just as that, your loved and equal people. Hear us as we pray for the world nearby, for your children in harm's way, we pray for safety. For your children without homes, we pray compassion and awareness. For victims of gun violence and all violence, we pray for healing touch. Guide our ways and provoke a right response from us. Help us to live as though we know your good fortune of being your beloved. Help us to put aside all competing messages that would distort us from your love and from showing that love to one another. Hear us as we pray for your church, for the Church Universal, for the Presbyterian Church, and for our own congregation. We pray again that your spirit would be poured out upon us in surprising and new ways. Help us to know, O oh God, how we might share that great good news and that love with the depth of creation. Help us to share the message so that our homes become neighborhoods, so that our cities become what's in our backyard, so that we reach out to those who might be hurting, overlooked, living on the margins. And God, on this morning, we also just ask that you hear the prayers that rest silently on our hearts, for you know what they are. Be with us in our weeks, show up in unusual ways, guide our feet, guide our path. We make these in all of our prayers in the name of Jesus, who taught us to pray together, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Friends, we all belong to God. And everything that we have, even life itself, is a gift from God. So in gratitude to God, let us return a portion of these gifts as our tithes and offerings. 
Friends with humbled and grateful hearts, let us now dedicate these gifts to God using our printed prayer of dedication. Let us pray. Blessed are you, God of all creation. Through your goodness, we have these gifts to share. Accept and use our offerings for your glory and for the service of your kingdom. Amen. Let us now sing together hymn number 833. to this world working for freedom, breaking down the barriers that stop us from including others, from valuing others, from loving others. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you peace, now and forevermore. Amen. Amen.